Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. After being owned by the Green Bay Packers, the Bears traveled to Tampa Bay to meet the Bucks, and Tom Brady makes his case for ownership. Once again, the Bears franchise is in turmoil. We'll debate, we'll discuss, and we'll deliberate right here on the Bear Debate. Welcome to the Bear Debate. My name is Aldo Gandia, and alongside me are Tyler Ellis and John Buffon. They are the debaters. I am the moderator. I ask a question. Each has 30 seconds to respond in a 60-second window, and then we discuss and deliberate opinions. How are you, fellas? Oh, I'm doing well. <laughs> Tyler, are you over the disappointment of being humiliated in Tampa Bay, or are you? I was uh, got some anger in you. No, I was. I, I was like, I was. I keep thinking that every every it, like it started over. Like we're good again. We can be good again. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> but um, it, it sets in because Tom Brady is giving away bitcoins. So that's so that's a reminder <laughs> of he, he's giving out touchdowns like Bitcoin. <laughs> to, the, to, to the Bears, and so it's like it's like, what are you gonna do? I keep waiting for a coaching announcement, but um, I'm hoping. <laughs> wait, wait till after the Steelers game, John. How you feeling? Don't get Captain Crypto started here. We're here to talk about the <laughs> Chicago Bears, <laughs> and to be honest, it, it 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 didn't hurt as bad as I thought it was because the game was over in eight minutes, so you didn't even have you didn't really have time to really let that despair sink in the thing was over before you sat down so all you could just do is watch this whatever they i guess they could call that a football game but that's that it was it was almost easier to watch knowing that it was over before it started uh and once again we got another notice here saying that uh, our man Gaines needs to get a <laughs> new smoke detector <laughs> hey, yeah. change it out rip the damn thing out I almost looked it out. I had one of my own fire department show up, but I'm like, it's a new battery. It literally is a new battery, guys. Yeah, I think it's the, an old detector. That's the problem. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, stay safe, whatever you do. Let's get into this show. Uh, uh, the first of 10 questions, 10 rounds, uh, will begin uh, right about. Uh, 
All right, fellas, this is round one. The Bears were humiliated on Sunday in Tampa Bay. How much of that humiliation was because of the great play of the defending champion Tampa Bay Bucks, and how much was because of the poor performance of the Bears? We need to discuss this. We need to debate this. And, Tyler, you start us first. I'm, I'm going to say it's a combination of both, Aldo. I mean, top, the Buccaneers are a championship-caliber team, but at the end of the day, the Chicago Bears did not do themselves any favors. We were outmatched, we were outcoached, and we were out-executed. At the end of the day, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been down before. They've been down, and so the fact that they won this game from start to finish, it just shows that we were on completely two different opposite sides of the spectrum. We were not prepared to punch the giant in the mouth. Where's Dave, where's Dave been in the slingshot when you need him? Well, if you ask Matt Nagy, it was all the Tampa Bay Bucks. He wouldn't stop going on about how great they are and how awesome Tom Brady is and how you have to be damn near perfect to win that game. Well, be that as it may, you don't have to be damn near perfect to not get blown out by 35 points and have Blaine Gabbert come in at the end of the game. Blaine Gabbert made an appearance. The Bucks were just playing a normal game, and the Bears were absolutely broken before the game even got into the second quarter. This is a much bigger indictment on the Bears than it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I would agree with both of you guys there. It's a little bit of both, both but it's, it's also an indictment on the Bears. Uh, which of the two most recent losses Packers and, and Bucks do you think was the most humiliating Tyler what do you think I mean it, it definitely was the Packers game because I mean I, I, well humiliating I mean it's the it's the Packers game I mean the Buccaneers are the Buccaneers but the Chicago Bears versus the Packers we actually actually had hope that we would win that game it was the fact that we had it like we were in positions where we could have won we, we 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 were winning the first 10 seconds of the Packers game we got the interception and so it was that not being able to have continued success throughout the course of a game. And then the Buccaneers showed us what it looks like if you score every single quarter. I think the third quarter was no score, but that's because they were going for the fourth down in our red zone, trying to embarrass. Trying to embarrass. Well, so, really is so for me, it was definitely uh, the Packers game. No, it was for me. It was the Buccaneers game because they didn't even show up. The game was they, that that basically said you weren't inspired by Aaron Rodgers saying he owns you. You were so you were so okay with that that you go down and you lay down against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You go and you don't play any kind of inspired football and you get your ass kicked by thirty five points. That's humiliating to me. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Okay, you, you hung around at least a little bit. It was a game at some point. That this was never a game. This was never a game. That's and so that that's why it was so humiliating because it was humiliating from the time they flipped the coin. And real quick, Otto, I don't I don't want to get us behind early in the match, but okay. something that me and Danny Shimon were talking about that game during the post show, mm -hmm. it it was not a big deal, but I said it was going to be a big deal when mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers said he owned us and we were tormented throughout the whole. Next, it's a joke now. It's a joke now, and Olin and Olin Cruz had a very great special when he talked about like how does the McCaskey family feel to hear a Green Bay Packers thing that hit on us when their dad owned where their dad, their granddad owned his team. So for me, that's why it was embarrassing because it's like if our coach is so freaking passive aggressive that he doesn't want conflict, who's standing up for the fans? Who's standing up for the players? Who's standing up for ownership at this point? The the fans are mad, but now McCaskey, the granddaughter, somebody who helped invent the NFL. Mm-hmm. Who's standing up for her pride if the if the coach doesn't want to talk about it? Yep. And so things like that is why it's embarrassing. I've got uh, two sources who have told me that insiders within very influential people in the Chicago Bears organization have complained to George McCaskey about 
this team and the present leadership. So the heat is definitely on, according to the two people that I talked about. So uh, we'll see what happens in the near future. And it could maybe we'll I don't want to say hopefully, but maybe we'll see some changes during the bye week. But uh, let's move on to round two. All right. The Bears, uh, two straight losses to two of the better teams in the NFL is a great barometer for where Matt Nagy's team is after seven games. Their record is three and four. But are they even that good? John, we'll start with you. Listen, the, the Chicago Bears are kind of like a Ruby Tuesdays restaurant. It's so middle of the road that you really forget it's actually a thing sometimes. Sure, it's a step up from eating a hard-boiled egg from a gas station, but it's really nothing that's ever going to be on your mind until you pass it along the highway and you're like, oh yeah, that thing still exists. So the Bears are built to be average and the culture has been built to strive for mediocrity. And I probably just cost us a sponsorship with Ruby Tuesdays with that analogy, but but I digress. You get the point. The Chicago Bears have championship aspirations. I'm going to debate John on this topic. <laughs> because the simple fact that I, I do feel like I do feel like we're a couple coaches of way. I feel like we're a couple coaches and some transparent conversation from being actual playoff contenders because we do have good players. I just sadly just don't see it developed. Justin Fields is being developed, absolutely. But I feel like we have a playoff championship defense that is still being groomed. I don't. I think that the, I think this team is average. Every average team has playmakers, and right. every every average team's a coach away and a you know a superstar away. I, I'm not I'm not as hopeful. That, I don't think this team is as talented as as you do. I guess like I, I just I just feel like there are a lot of teams that have talent. The Bears are one of them, but they don't have any of the other things that go along with being a championship team. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm surprised you didn't debate him more. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to debate with you agree. I was trying to force a debate, but it's like he's right. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. It's it's kind of it's it's kind of hard to go back and forth with this when the team is. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to debate that this team is underperforming and looks bad. Right. So no. I don't. It's like it's like, it's like me getting, going behind going to John's house and getting behind you like he's right. He's right. He's right. <laughs> and Bear yeah. Truth Nine says case closed. <laughs> Let's move on to the next item on our docket. <laughs> Round three. Great leaders make it a point to look at things from all sides when making big decisions. So let's debate Justin Fields' immediate future as starter for the Chicago Bears. Given that Fields was picked off three times, sacked four times, fumbled three times, and lost two of them against Tampa Bay, and given the state of the roster and the coaching staff charged with helping him, is it better to make Andy Dalton the starter again. Tyler, I want you to first take the argument that it's better to insert Dalton now and let Fields learn with the clipboard. And then, John, you take the opposite point of view. In round four, you guys can switch. All right. Does that sound fair? Sounds All right. Yes. Tyler, you go first. Okay. Justin Fields being able to watch Andy Dalton for a long time would have gave Justin Fields more mental reps. The fans, we wanted our new shiny toy out there but we forgot the fact that our coach isn't really developing. And so at the same time, we we wanted Justin out there, but Andy Dalton, who is a veteran, maybe he sees Allen Robinson open a couple of times. But at the same time, I, to make a play for Dalton is because with Dalton there, 
Andy, um, Matt Nagy has no excuses, but Justin, he does. Uh, look, I know it looks bad, but I don't think all of those turnovers were completely on Justin Fields. Yeah, he needs to hold on to the ball a little bit better, but maybe the coaching staff shouldn't have a fourth or fifth round uh, or fourth or fifth string right tackle out going one on one against pass rushers. One of those interceptions went off Darnell Mooney's hands, and maybe the coaching staff should shut the hell up and get out of Justin Fields' helmet and by telling him there's 12 men on the field, making him think that he has a free play. So I get that the coaching staff can be holding him back, but he didn't get any first team reps in training camp so i guess this season has to be his training camp interesting uh toa says jason peters comments today spoke volumes about the unpreparedness of the team and uh so one of those comments was that uh simmons who started at right tackle didn't get any practice reps at the right tackle position at all so they're not looking to all the possible uh the, the potential losses of players and getting guys as pr prepared as possible. I've always thought what are that they was, doing? yeah, right. I've always thought it was weird that guys don't get at least some reps. I mean, Alan Robinson is talking about the lack of chemistry he has with Justin Fields is because he didn't have any reps with Justin Fields. I mean, is this a criminal offense, John? Well, what are you doing during the week of practice then? Like, what, like you're putting together a game plan, I assume, because you're a coach and a coaching staff. So I assume there's some sort of game plan. And then you're just like, well, Simmons, ah, the hell with it. Everyone, anyone can play. Or just like anyone can tackle, anyone can play right tackle. So they just, they just throw them out there. And you know what? That's why it took under two seconds for them to get a hit on Justin Fields. So that, what, what, is, what is the game plan? I want to know what actually goes on during the week where you sit and you think, you know what? I think this is going to work against Tampa Bay. At some point, the coaches have to be in agreement where they're just like, yeah, this this sounds good. Or they're or Matt Nagy's just talking and they're a bunch of yes men thinking, yeah, okay, Matt, that's, that sounds great. Yeah, Mr. Nagy, that, that, that sounds like a good idea. You know what it sounds like a good idea? Let's put a guy over there that didn't practice at all this week at right tackle. Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds great, coach. Let's do it. What the hell? It is unbelievably unorganized. And there was a, somebody on – Twitter that said, you know, in 2018, it looked like Matt Nagy was going to be one of the bright young coaches in the NFL. It seemed like he, he had everything going right. It seemed like he was, you know, bringing along Mitchell Trubisky. He had creativity on the offense. He had the players all fired up. They And there was some innovation on the football field. But now it looks like everything is wrong from A to Z. It is a sad, sad time for the Chicago Bears. All right, let's move on to round four. This is simple. As I promised, we're going to reverse the points of view here because as all great leaders do, they like to look at things from all different uh, perspectives. Now, you guys both made excellent cases in round three, but we're reversing them now. John, you tell me why it's a good idea to reinsert Andy Dalton as the starter, and your time starts now. Well, okay, so listen up. Uh, I know what I just said. Uh, you heard it. I heard it. But let me tell you something. Maybe Justin Fields should sit because they need him to be able to walk in 2022 and beyond. Maybe Justin Fields should sit so he's not subjected to Matt Nagy anymore. We can't keep poisoning the tree and expect fruit. Maybe just for his physical and maybe mental well-being, he needs to be separated from this coaching staff and just let Andy Dalton go out there, start the games, and be the sacrificial lamb for the rest. That's the 2021. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely concerned about um, Justin Fields continue to start, like John said, getting hurt. But the reason why he should stay out there, because you, you can't practice this. You can't practice this kind of defeat. You can't practice this type of thing. He's going to have to figure out on his own accord 
if he wants to stay alive, if he wants to win football games, he's going to have to make decisions in the trenches. It's only one way you learn, and it's in the trenches. And that's when you're, that's what, that, that, those are live bullets. The coach can't protect you from live bullets. I just wish he had the animosity to say, coach, I can't listen to you anymore, which we won't have. Yeah. The, the good news is, is that there might be help on the offensive line coming. We learned from, of all people, Jason Peters today, that yeah. Larry Borough might be playing this weekend. And so, so now we're getting that information from Matt Nagy. Or oh, he doesn't players. care. Oh, Jason Peters does not care. He's been in this league too long. He's like, what are you going to do? Cut me. Go ahead. <laughs> you see where that gets you. I'm going to, you know what? If the coach, if the coach isn't going to give updates, hell, the left tackle might as well. <laughs> That's where, right. the, that's where we're at with the Bears organization. Coach isn't going to give me any updates. Hell, throw the left tackle out. He'll talk to the media and give you some injury updates. He's, he's giving like he could be back. Like he's talking like a head coach would, like giving like actual estimate estimates on when guys are going to be back. What has a left tackle ever done that for a team before? <laughs> it's crazy, man. It really is nuts. All right. Let's end round uh, five or the first half of the show with some – Tyler, I want you to pick a defensive player of the game from Sunday's trouncing in Tampa Bay. And, John, you pick an offensive member of the game. Uh, uh, so pick a player of the game. Uh, Tyler, you from the defense. And, John, you from the offense. So let's get some good news. Let's celebrate some of the excellent performances that we saw on Sunday from the Chicago Bears. Tyler, you go first. Hands down, it's the brother Roquan Smith. Um, he, he, he wasn't as scared to hit um, Leonard Fournette. He tried to meet him at the head as much as he possible. I didn't literally like him in coverage too much, but Roquan Smith just continues to lead from the front. Being physical, by, by being physical, he's setting the tone. What we wanted um, Pernell McPhee to be, that, that is what um, Roquan Smith has been. Um, he wasn't scared of the tackle. He wasn't scared of any of the linemen. He tried to, to raise the team up, and that's what I love my man Roquan. I mean, 100% all pro. Well, you definitely gave me the easy one when it comes to this conversation. It's Khalil Herbert. If this stretch of games has done anything positive, it's shown us that the hidden gem that we were able to find in Khalil Herbert. He is decisive. He is aggressive. His vision is spectacular. He and David Montgomery will be a lethal one-two punch if the Bears ever have an offensive line that's worth a damn. So he rushed for 100 yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No easy feat. So I'm really excited about what Khalil Herbert can provide for this Bears team moving forward. He's one of those young guys that you hope to see in this organization for the next four, five, six, seven years. Yeah, Tyler, I, I did sort of get John the easy one because outside of Khalil Herbert, well, there wasn't really anybody else on the offense. No, I remember <laughs> two tackles. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, there wasn't the wide receiver. Justin Fields had a bad day. The offensive line looked putrid. I can't think of anybody. Komet, I think, had caught like three or four balls. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Maybe coming to life a little bit, but it's not looking good. Anybody else on the defense that we should do a shout out to other than Roquan Smith? I mean, um, a shout out to um, um, DHC. D DHC mm -hmm. for me has Great been showing up at the ball of attack. Um, there was a pass on the goal line. If he would have got his head around, it actually could have been an interception, in my opinion. But um, I like the fact that our our DBs aren't always chasing the DB to tackle them, and actually are there to intercept the ball. And so, so um, um, DHC is actually showing up on tape for me as somebody that's actually being there at the point of attack. Mm. Anyone else, uh, John, that you'd like to give a shout-out before we move to the second half? 
I was gonna I was gonna say DHC, uh, but in reality, when you when you give when you give up 35 points, I'm not gonna give too many shout outs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they just I'm sorry, 35 points. I know they've dealt with a lot of short fields, right. uh, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know it all needs context, but mm-hmm. still, uh, it wasn't a great performance. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a two minute break. We'll be right back with the second half of the show. Fantasy football players, who do you start? Who do you sit? Find out every Sunday morning at 10.15 on the Fantasy Football Duel Show on the Barroom Network. We are back for the second half of the Bear Debate. The guys are John Buffon, upper left-hand corner of your screen, upper right-hand corner. It is Tyler Ellis. These guys are going to do something really, really cool for question number six. And that's because it's role reversal time. (laughs) We're going to start with the topic that's on the minds of most Bears fans, and that is the future of the futures of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. But before we debate whether they have a future or not with the Bears, I'd like to dig into Ryan Pace's tenure with the Bears. So, John, I'm going to ask you, what are the positives? I know this is going to be hard for you, John, but what are the positives of what GM Pace has done while he has been at Hallis Hall? What, might it be a good idea to keep him at Hallis Hall? And then, Tyler, I know this is going to be difficult for you. I wanted to pick out the negatives of Ryan Pace and why it might be better to kick him out of Hallis Hall. So, John, we begin with you. 
Well, you made up for giving me the easy one last time. Uh, Here we go. Uh, I think Ryan Pace does have a redeeming quality. I think he's very passionate about the guys that he likes when it comes to drafting. Uh, He Now, that has come and bit him in the ass a few times, trading up for Mitchell Trubisky, trading up for Leonard Floyd, trading up for Anthony Miller. I forgot I'm supposed to be defending him. Uh, He did trade up to uh, get David Montgomery. Uh, He did trade up to get Travis Gibson. Uh, traded up for Tevin Jenkins. He also has a knack for mid to late rounders. I'm talking Adrian Amos, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, Eddie Jackson, uh, Bilal Nichols, Darnell Mooney, Khalil Herbert. Not bad. Okay, this is this is awesome to be. I get to be John. And so um, <laughs> Ryan Pace is horrible and he sucks. <laughs> but I no. get more content than that. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you do. No, all seriousness, um, Ryan Pace. He has he has let. This coaching staff take control of the team. Somebody, and I'm gonna go over somebody in Ryan Pace's position is responsible for putting people in place to develop players and to put the right men on the field. Ryan Pace's job is to get the players, but for why Ryan Pace should probably be removed from duty or be not be be allowed to seek a new head new coach because Ryan Pace, who will have the coach that you have selected? How many playoff games has Ryan Pace been responsible for? I'm I'm counting maybe three. I'm counting three. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But over Ryan Pace's tenure, I'm counting three um, playoff victories. What what is that? How much money has been spent um, from Julius Peppers? Was that Ryan Pace? Was that was that was that early? Was that early Ryan? Pace? Was that early Pace? But all these other no, things. Uh, Julius Peppers. Um, that was the NFL Emory for the NFL Emory days. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Of like when we when we. But what I'm saying, how much money has been spent since the Bears have been allowed to spend money? But mm-hmm. the fact that you you let somebody we put all this faith into an offensive coordinator that we want to turn into a head coach, Ryan Pace, you were already on thin ice. You were already on thin ice, and then you got an extension. And now we, we married the contracts up, but you and Matt Nagy are now attached at the hip. So at this point, should you even be allowed to pick a head new coach? In my opinion. Well, that, that comes down to who who is actually pulling the strings when it comes to picking head coaches. Is it is it Ryan Pace or is it Ted Phillips and the powers at B? Uh, so you talk about they they went completely out of the box when they went and got Tressman. They're like, oh, we got to prove we're the smartest people in the world. We got to go get Mark Tressman. And then Ryan Pace comes in as the GM after that whole thing that whole thing fell apart. They said. You know what, Ryan? We need to make a really safe pick. Let's go get John Fox. And then so they went and got John Fox. We saw how that worked out. And then who knows about the collaboration that went on to go and bring in and Matt Nagy. So who did have the final call on that? Was it Ted Phillips? Was it the McCaskey family? Was it Ryan Pace? We don't know. So it's kind of hard because Ryan Pace has to do more than just pick up put the personnel together he has to put together the coaching staff too so or at least put the people in charge of making those those decisions so if he was the sole reason that Matt Nagy is here then that didn't work out if he was the sole reason for Mitch Trubisky being here that didn't work out well you we can talk about whether or not it was Mitch's fault or Matt Nagy's fault or whoever's fault the the end result is it didn't work out so who who is actually who is actually at fault was it and is it is it people pulling the strings? That's why I'd love to see the Bears actually get a president of football operations instead of a guy who's basically an accountant as your president. And you say, "Whoa, Ted doesn't have anything to do with football operations." Then why the hell is he at the end of the year press conference talking about personnel? Then so they they need to actually have a, a president of football operations that can pick a GM and then there can actually be some football people in the organization. But it's it's hard to tell because we don't actually know who's pulling the strings. You're right. And, and C.J. Williams, I'm, I'm sorry, just very quickly, uh, C.J. Williams is correct. It was Ernie Arcosi who suggested John Fox. and But the thing is, is 
you know, as a as a GM, you got to tell uh, Bears management, listen, you hired me to make that decision. I mm-hmm. appreciate Ernie's input on this, and I will take it at, under advisement. But I want to bring in my own coach, and uh, but you know, we don't know the details exactly. Uh, Tyler, I apologize, I interrupted you. No, no worries, sir. I was going to sh- give a shout out to our sister Bethany, who's joining us in the chat. Really, thank you, sister. That was an awesome message. Not even a Bears fan, but checking us out. We have a lot of love, and we definitely appreciate you for that. Um, mm-hmm. This is just chance for everybody, just not Packers fans. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but it's but it's but it's but it's definitely all love here. But John, to, to both both of your points are right there. Ryan Pace, he's enthusiastic. It, he we don't hear from him, so when we finally do, he's prepared for that speech, and then he sells us. He sells us. He has really good hair, in my opinion. And he's mm-hmm. like, and he, I look like he looks like he lifts. And I'm Great like, hey, man, this man, this man looks sharp. He looks sharp. He looks, he looks fit. He'd be having, he'd be on a bike. I'm like, man, he's gonna take us to the future. John, he give me he give me every offseason. He, <laughs> he, he he gets me. But it's like, why was Bruce Arians said not to be a good option? Who said Bruce Arians was not a good option when he had really good success in Pittsburgh, right, John? Was it Pittsburgh? Yeah, great. yeah. Well, it, well, you can go from Pittsburgh to Indianapolis. You you name it. He he he's been had success wherever he's gone, and he's a guy who is, as we've seen with the, with Tampa, is very selfless and lets his coaches actually do their job. Uh, Byron Leftwich is going to be a hot coaching candidate because Bruce Arians has gone out of his way to make sure people know that he's the one calling the plays and taking care of the offense. Bruce Arians doesn't have to sit at a press conference after a game and remind everybody that he's the head coach. It's very obvious that he's the head coach, but he also is in charge of letting people do their job and which he brought them in to do. I brought in Byron Leftwich to run the offense. He's going to run the offense. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to just, unlike, unlike Matt Nagy, who just has to remind, Hey, by the way, everything goes through me. I have the opportunity to say yes and no to whatever I want. It's really exciting that I can see what I like and see what I don't like. There's no need for that BS unless you're so insecure about your own skills that you have to keep reiterating it. Bruce Arians could give two craps where the credit goes. He wants to win. So that that, that shows a stark contrast because before what the Bears could have had and what they do have. Yeah. Nick might be right about this. Arians wanted to run the score up on the Bears for not hiring him. Yeah, there was a there, there just seemed to be a lot of uh, payback f- in the air for the Bucks, you know, because of the loss last year. The I think the Bears. Thing, the I think the Bucks. Bears wanted to run it up on the Bears. <laughs> well said. All right, let's move on to the round side. Right. Tyler said that there was a lot, nothing but love, but I want to see how much love you guys have for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, because if the team's piss poor performance continues against the 49ers and then the Steelers, <laughs> share with us your opinion on why the Bears should or should not fire both Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy during the bye week. Tyler, we begin with you. I I, I, I foresee Matt Nagy being relieved of duties. If we, if we lose these two games, I foresee Matt Nagy. I'll be surprised if Ryan Pace goes because that means more work for somebody who has nothing to do with football, as in Ted Phillips. But um, at, before the bye weeks, after this right now, I I will make a case for Matt Nagy. It's negligent, guys. We're talking about negligence of duty, negligence of duty. John just said, "What are y'all doing throughout the week?" It can't be s'mores and Hershey pies and weight room <laughs> stuff. Like, what are we actually? What's the game plan? Nope, there's not. 
Now I want a Hershey bar. But anyway, look, the Bears are not a contender. This roster, the way it's built, cannot compete with good teams in the league. And that goes with their coaching staff as well. The Bears are three and four, which under normal circumstances wouldn't warrant huge changes. But the Chicago Bears have lost so much respect around the league. They are a punchline for literally everybody. For Aaron Rodgers, for Tom Brady, for the national media, for Jim Nance and Tony Romo. This regime has absolutely gutted the reputation of the Chicago Bears, all in the name of collaboration and culture. It is, that is the saddest thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm clearly the oldest one here and have been following this team for decades. And it's just, you know, over and over and over again. It seems like almost every generation of Chicago Bears team and during my lifetime, with the exception of two generations, were, were just abysmal at offense. You know, the brand that the Chicago Bears have is great defense, atrocious offense and the bears have tried to correct that by bringing in a matt nagy by bringing in a mark trestman they have tried to bring in offensive minded coaches but it's been utter failures because those guys were incompetent in some so many areas so i mean do you guys ever foresee this team bringing in a competent offensive coach who can turn this offense of the bears into something we're proud of tyler I mean, honestly, this may be wishful thinking, but conventional wisdom, I see the Bears giving Brian Leftwich the keys to the city. I mean, that would just make sense. That would make sense from an organizational standpoint. He didn't have one good half a season. That's what Matt Nagy had was like a good three games of calling the Chiefs games. But like Brian Leftwich being able to control the egos and be leading in the league. Like Tom Brady, Tom Brady plays quarterback. Tom Brady's not a coach. Somebody's in control of player development, okay? And so they were they were good before Gronk got there, okay? They, they, they were already training forward before Antonio Brown got there, okay? And so, like, the fact that the, off, the offensive line play, it's the organization, it's the lack of penalties, it's about this guy's open. The Bears can't run a score because the Bears don't have plays to take it to score. The Bears, are, the Bears are praying to get a first down. We don't have a play. This play's a touchdown. This play right here? Seven times out of ten, it's a we don't have that. So I'm saying Brian left, which I, I, I don't have time to go around the, all the offensive minds I'm thinking about right now. But, like, do I have confidence that somebody's going to make that higher? Because to make that higher, you have to admit defeat. Are we going to get rid of our egos? That's mm -hmm. the question. Yep. Uh, 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 AC says we could bring in a Todd Bowles type coach, and that way it would ensure that our defense gets even better. Uh, and then bring in a good offensive coordinator with him, like Lovey Smith uh, did 2.0 when he brought in. I guess it was. I, th I think he's referring to Mike Martz, Maybe I don't know. If that's a that's a good uh, comparison. But but there there is a legitimacy in what he's saying. You can bring in a defensive minded head coach and 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 trust that guy to. Uh, 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 put together an offensive system with an offensive coordinator and so forth that's going to take this team to greater success offensively. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be an offensive-minded right. uh, uh, head coach, right? No, it doesn't. And I'm sorry, Tyler, but it's it's you've seen this be successful where – the, the head coach is just a head coach. I think we get bogged down too much in saying, well, if the head coach isn't an offensive mastermind, then the offense isn't going to be great. I mean, look at Mike Tomlin. And he is, he's a defensive coach, and they've had some good offenses. Bill Belichick, he found his Josh McDaniels. Uh, Mike Vrabel, they find, they find people that can run an offense. So 
find a head coach who can actually be a leader, understands game situation, it can make the right decision when it comes to game situations, time management. That's what the, that's what a head coach can be doing. And then you can have your big offensive mastermind be your offensive coordinator. And so whether they whether they go that route with the, like with the Todd Bowles or they want to go and get uh, a Brian Dayball or a Byron Leftwich or uh, even a Greg Roman in Baltimore who completely catered an entire offense to what they have as far as Lamar Jackson goes. So uh, they just need someone that can be an actual leader. What you're seeing is a deficiency at the head coach position right now because it's a guy who actually wishes he was playing quarterback for the Chicago Bears. If Matt Nagy had it his way, he would be the starting quarterback for the Bears. He'd be the offensive coordinator for the Bears. He'd be the play caller for the Bears, and he'd be the head coach for the Bears. He would do all of that. It's For some reason, it's just not good enough to be the head coach sometimes, and I, and I don't understand that mentality at all. You see the guys who are really good at delegating and understand what it's like to be a leader. Those are the best head coaches. So I, I need a guy who is just going to be a head coach and can put in a successful system and let and put good people around him to make sure that everyone's doing their job. That's all I ask. I don't need I don't need an encyclopedia. I, I don't need I don't need. We tried that with Mark Tressman, where a guy who's just buried in his and buried into the thing the entire time looks up every once in a while, pops his head out and goes back in. He's like Punxsutawney Phil. So you got to be able to, you got to be able to have a guy who can lead people, inspires people. This is a human game played very violently. You have to be ready to go. You have to be more inspired than the other team. We're not playing Madden. We're playing football, humans on humans. Who can inspire you to play the best? You would score points. We would score some actual points if we had, I know, I know a Madden playbook. That could score more points than what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in response to Toreen's uh, question here about the front office, are they really fed up or is it just a smokescreen? I really do exactly. believe that they are fed up. I mean, it is not a pleasant experience for George McCaskey to be walking down the street and people almost booing him or coming up to him and complaining about this, complaining about that. I mean, he gets complaints about everything, not only from about the performance on the field, but Soldier Field, um, you know, other uh, ticket policies, uh, you name it. And so he doesn't want to hear that stuff. He wants to have a successful organization. And for the most part, he has entrusted the people from the football operations to do their job. I don't think he meddles at all. And Greg Gabriel has has confirmed that with me, who has had insider knowledge as to what happens at Hallis Hall. They, they stay away from it. The problem is, is that they just continually hire the wrong people. And and when so when people say maybe Ted Phillips should be fired because he's the number one person responsible for those hires, maybe there's some truth to it. But as Greg Gabriel said, now with this Arlington a heights situation, Ted Phillips isn't going anywhere because he's the guy leading that whole thing. And so they're not going to tell him to go away. They might, you know, bring in somebody else to do his job of hiring the football people, but let, keep him on board to lead this Arlington Heights uh, uh, purchase and, and move the team to Arlington Heights. So Ted Phillips is going to be around for a while in some yeah, capacity. He ain't, he's not going anywhere. He's yeah. not going anywhere. All right. I believe we are in round eight. <laughs> And by this time next week, guys, the trade deadline will have passed. So this is our chance to discuss whether or not the Bears should blow things up and begin a rebuilding by trying to move veterans for draft picks or younger players. Play GM, guys, and tell me what you would do if you were in charge of player personnel at Hallis Hall. John, you get to be GM first. 
Well, uh, as I said, the Bears are not contenders, and some of the players on this team, as talented as they are, will never be part of a successful Bears team because of their age. And, and, and like I've said before, the Bears aren't just an average team, they are an aging average team. And they're a team that has limited draft capital, so I would think that now would be an all right time to get younger and get back some draft picks. So I would entertain the idea of trading an Akeem Hicks or maybe a Robert Quinn whose stock may never be higher than it is right now. Uh, and even talk about potentially trading Allen Robinson. Now, I don't, I don't understand how some of these compensatory picks work. So that's something to take into effect. But uh, you can't keep putting band-aids on broken bones. At this point in the game, if I'm the GM, I'm either going down with the ship or I got to show management that I give a damn. So I'm, I'm relieving the head coach of his duties, first of all, and I'm going to management and I'm saying, allow me to get somebody in here. In the meantime, I don't want to trade my best assets. I don't want to trade my best assets for picks right now because um we're going to need that talent. I don't want to, we already have a need. I don't want to create more needs. But what I will do, I will relieve the head coach of his duties and I'm going to put Sean Desai um, as interim head coach in the, in the meantime. And I'm, and I'm going to start there and that's it. Yeah, this is this is a pickle that the organization is in because if they start moving some veterans, they've basically told the rest of the team, "Hey, uh, we know there's still what nine games left the season, but uh, we're basically kind of tanking on those games, and nobody wants to play for an organization like that." So if we think that things are ugly now, then wait to see what this Bears team will how they will respond if some of the key veterans are moved, if a guy like A-Rob is moved, if a guy like Akeem Hicks is moved, if a guy like Robert Quinn. Now, I think you guys make a good case. You know, when John says, why not make these guys, you know, start the rebuild now, but boy, oh boy, it could get really ugly. Right, John? I don't think they will because if if the hot, if the seat is actually hot for Matt Nagy and, and, uh, and Ryan Pace, they got to show some kind of improvement and they're not going to start they're not going to scrap right. the team. Now, yeah. that is telling though if they do if they do sell off some of these high talent players, mm-hmm. it was Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace where they were they granted another year to say, "Hey, go ahead and sell those guys yeah. off. Don't worry about it. If you lose if you if we end up if you if you end up being 5 and 11 or whatever is it is now, 5 and 12. If you end up being 5 and 12 or 6 and 11, don't worry about it. We're going to bring you back. We understand you're trading off a lot of guys for draft picks. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Go ahead and do it. We're going to bring you back anyway. That could be a big tell that if they are sellers, then Ryan Pace feels pretty comfortable in his position. Matt Nagy feels somebody, pretty comfortable in his somebody position. Somebody should put a, a halt and deceased. Like, no, they shouldn't be allowed to because that's them blowing the farm up before they're let go. Like that, that 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 can be a that can be a double negative. Like no 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 no. You don't have to say so to the remove anybody because you're not even doing your job right. I'd rather have my new GM make those moves. I'd rather have my new head coach. You do your best you can, John. Right now, shouldn't Ryan Pace be concerned of his own job? Like right, yeah. like right like at this point, Ryan, are you okay with being five games below five hundred? Because that's where we're going right now. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with a three and eleven season? So to speak, or whatever, or like, it like that's what that's where I'm at with it. Like, Ryan, are you gonna not say anything? Like, really, bro? And like that—that's what I'm really looking at because we're gonna get passionate, we're gonna yell, we're gonna scream, we're gonna pound the table. But I'm like, management, do you really give a dang? My man, look at this guy. <laughs> I love Dom. I love, I love it. that dude's on so many of our shows. I'm so happy. I'm glad. I'm glad he's in there. He serves the pot. He it's, does. But, but at at at, so at this point, Ryan Pace, bro. Do you want your job or are you really content with 
blown? Are you are you really content on losing your job? Are you gonna put faith? Like, does he have that much confidence, John? Because to not fire Matt Nagy means you have a lot of confidence. And if you don't fire him, that's also telling management that you don't have an eye for the person. So what, what's, what's happening is we, what we saw, whenever they drafted Justin Fields, we thought that, okay, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace just bought themselves two years because they need to develop a quarterback now. So now you could be seeing all these mechanisms in motion to say, to, to go to the McCaskey family and say, guys, listen, we got a new quarterback. We're going to get him for a full year, a full training camp. We got to let us develop this kid. Also, in the middle of the season, we let go of some of our our best talented players for draft picks. Trust us. We're going to use those draft picks to reload. You know, in 2022 and 2023, that's when we're really going to hit the ground running. Listen, they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to, no, they're going to, they're snake oil salesmen. That's why they're going to tell you that they have all these big right. plans. And they're going to hoodwink you. They're going to hoodwink the McCaskey family. They're going to hoodwink. The, they're not going to hoodwink the fans anymore. But they're going to they're going to try to hoodwink management to say you got to give us one more year. You got to give us at least a, a year and a half. To, look, we, we got this bright new shiny toy at quarterback. We traded away from some assets. Let us rebuild it. We can no. rebuild it. Th- hey. Throw away the fact that you broke it. <laughs> but but go but go ahead and rebuild it. Absolutely, absolutely not. What are you going to teach them? Like at this point, we should be scoring touchdowns by accident in the NFL. We should, like, at this point, we should get lucky at some point during the game. Even the Jets showed some great signs of life during that during getting blown out by the Buccaneers. Like at Doesn't some matter. point, something should just work. The system is flawed. It's flawed. Whatever it, whatever it top is, top to bottom. It's flow. The problem is the problem is with this gains is the fact is they only got to they only got to uh, basically convince one or two people and it's not the fans right. it's not the players it's not the rest of the coaching staff it's the people that are above them and there's only a couple of people that are above them so all they got to do is keep laying out these elaborate collaborative plans that we always hear about and say this is going to work you got to give us at least one more year you look look we we got Justin Fields and he's showing flashes but man we didn't even play we didn't even give him first team reps last training camp remember and now we're going to do that oh, oh we God. we traded off some people you, you got to let us rebuild we got we got a good draft class coming in. There's going to be plenty of things that they're going to throw at the front Whoa. office and say, "This is the reason why you got to give us another year." And they bid on it last year. Yep. They're gonna, they might bite. They might bite on it again. And the only reason why they will fall for that because they're not football people and they're billionaires and they're somewhere else. If the, maybe this is, maybe this is Chicago Bears isn't their big cash cow. Some of these owners. Oh, it is. Have, have, that's the problem. It is their cash cow. The Bears are making record profits, so maybe they don't care. Some of these business owners, some of these billionaires, have like twelve different projects going on. They got oil wells everywhere, and they're not in the everyday football world. So they sell them stuff that we all know. Like if if. If Virginia McCaskey listened to like first take and like actually like listen to Good Morning Football, like I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> but but but, you see, but, 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 but but exactly. But do you see what I mean? As the fact that you can't sell me that. Why would I want you in charge of any further draft pick? What are you talking about? Like what, I used to have this button on my desk once upon a time. It was a BS button. Yeah, <laughs> that was. <laughs> and that's why when Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace trying to make their case, there is no more case to be made. At this point, gracefully ball, ball out. That's what should, should happen here. Matt Nagy, you're you're responsible for these young men's careers, their 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 their, their livelihood. Allen Robinson is going to take less money now. When and this is why players hold out. When y'all be mad at players, not y'all, not you guys, the world. 
Like when when people are <laughs> when people are mad at players, why he holding out? He's so selfish. He's so selfish. This is why players hold out because now Allen Robinson lost tens of millions of dollars off his deal, off his contract because now he can't negotiate anything with this right now. Mm-hmm. He's lost the season, and, and this is why players have to be selfish with that. It's not a it's not they're being selfish with their own money, but the fact that you don't have that long to negotiate. And now when you have a coach that takes advantage of of his power. It just really, truly sucks. Matt Nagy should, if this is not a winning season, if we do not turn this around and win a, a win a playoff game. This, uh, I remember John once telling me that um, the Buffon Thanksgiving table was like this. People were like, give me the potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you literally have to strong arm somebody out of the way. There, there's... <laughs> but you're still having a conversation while you're doing it. So you stiff arm your niece while you're still talking to your uncle about whatever it is. And it's just very, you know, it's, that's, that's how we were raised. And because all of us, all of us are behemoths and you got to get your food in when you can. <laughs> that's, that's what I, the, the image that came to mind as I'm hearing you guys go back and forth. It's great stuff, guys. Really great stuff. We move on now to round nine. All right. We learned Monday from Matt Nagy's car that he had tested positive for COVID-19. As a fully vaccinated person, Nagy will be cleared to return to football activities when he delivers two negative tests 24 hours apart. So would the Bears have a better chance at winning Sunday if the head coach is forced to miss the I game know. against the 49ers? I feel bad for being positive. I feel bad for being happy about that. I, feel, <laughs> I, I truly feel bad about that. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so I, you might consider this question for comical purposes if you want. If uh, So whatever. Respond in whatever way you got. And Tyler, you lead us off. No, I mean, it's a, I would love to see a fully, if Bill Lazor didn't have to look over his shoulder and be scared by looking at Matt Nagy, like, you better not call that play that works. <laughs> like, what? Like, I would love to see what it would look like if he just wasn't around, respectfully. I don't wish no harm feeling with his health. I hope he's healthy. But, like, yo, bro, I would love to see what that what the team would look like, how the team would respond. And like John said, at some point, you're going to win out of spite, which sucks because nothing would change. If we win these next two games, Nothing will change. If we win these next two games, nothing will change. Uh, before I dig into this, I want to make it clear that I hope Matt Nagy is feeling well. COVID sucks, I know from experience, so I hope he's doing well. Uh, but from the business side of this, if the Bears go out and absolutely spank the 49ers, it's certainly not doing Matt Nagy any favors. This is a guy that's trying to prove every single day that he's worth keeping around. And so if they play a great game, maybe it's not just because Matt Nagy's not there, but it does prove that they really don't need him to at least be an average team. And if Chris Tabor gets the guys up and they play inspired football and they're flying all over the place maybe that's a much bigger message to ownership that someone needs this was the spark that they needed i really like that response because yeah this could be an indicator if he misses the game which i I doubt that he will but if he does and those guys come out fired out fired up and play their best game of the season without matt nagy in the sideline yeah so uh start looking for a real estate agent mr nagy and uh so that could be the writing on the wall All right, let's move on now quickly to round 10. I have saved the toughest question for last. We play to win the game. That's the famous quote from Coach Herm Edwards. I would never sit here and ask you if it's better for the Bears to lose Sunday. That's just not in my DNA. And I think you would be insulted if I were to ask you to advocate for a Bears loss. 
But I do want to ask you, do the Bears really lose if they win on Sunday? Uh, John, we start with you. No, if they lose, they lose, and if they win, they win. But the fact that we even have to ask this question is the real issue here. Fans are so turned off by their favorite team that some are starting to root against them just to see change. This regime of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace is so toxic that the culture they constantly talk about is actually making loyal fans consider rooting against the Chicago Bears. So while I can't bring myself to that point, I can't say I don't understand it. You're talking about an ends justifying the means kind of approach. If you have completely given up on this organization, organization you probably want to see something that could speed up the process for change damn i'm trying to debate you man and then you say (laughs) (laughs) and then all i want to say is (laughs) yup okay he's there right get out of my head get out of my head john he's like he's on point with it but this is what me and john always talk about like if we if, if we win does it fix everything and if we lose it doesn't fix anything. So we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. Either and that's this kind and it kind of I just feel like the Bears have been in that position. And that's what happens when you are 500 team. Because we're go, we're gonna win enough games to not be in the top 10 first round picks. And we're not gonna and we're not gonna lose and we're not gonna lose enough so we don't fire everybody. Yeah. And so but the, the Browns are moving forward because they weren't they were losing, they were losing badly. And mm-hmm. so it sucks when we do our best to stay mediocre. Right. It's like at some point. This is why I kind of got into it with Brad Briggs on the, on the Twitter of the day because I'm like, why are we celebrating mediocre? At some point, do we have championship aspirations? Like, I don't want to – if we're paying a safety $20 million, $10 million, I don't want to make him look good if he's not performing. When, 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 um, Oh, my God, what's that, what was that safety's name? The safety's name from Seattle Seahawks. Thomas. Jamal Adams. Or, uh, Earl, Earl, Earl Thomas. Thomas. Earl, Earl Thomas in this prime, he was coming down laying the wood. He was like, oh. And then, like, this weekend, when I see Eddie Jackson coming in at the end of a play to put an elbow on Fournette, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you're getting paid too much money for that. Like, I don't understand. When we talk about the last line of defense, stopping people from scoring and scoring points, it's like it just sucks that it has to take a negative to create a positive change. Guys, I, uh, uh, real, this, go ahead, John. I was going to say, I I love anecdotes and I love talking about things that I, and I'm not really big into like, oh, Wikipedia is the Bible. But for some reason, somebody, somebody posted Kyle Orton highlights on Twitter today. And I freaking loved it because I forgot it. I'm like, oh, I love Kyle Orton. I want to see that dude singing all the time. So I went, I'm like, I want to, I'm trying to remember some things about Kyle Orton. So I typed his name up on Wikipedia. I want to give you some context on what it said on Kyle Orton's Wikipedia page about why he was, why they moved on. And it said, and this is literally what it said. After a disappointing nine and seven season, they decided to move on. Nine and seven used to be the disappointing season. And now it's the absolute aspiration of God. If we everything works out, we can get to nine and seven. So when Kyle Orton was with the Bears, nine and seven was a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like if the planets align and we're not in retrograde or whatever the hell that thing's called, then maybe right. we can maybe get to nine and seven, and this is a great success, and we can bring back Matt Nagy for one more year. So right. that that shows you the shift in expectations. Now, once again, I'm not saying it's the gospel because it's Wikipedia, but at the oh, same sure. time, some someone wrote down a disappointing season of nine and seven, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. now nine and seven is the standard. Yeah. yeah. 
Tyler, what do you think about what Toro asked here? Uh, if Lovey Smith coached this team now, the 2021 Chicago Bears, would they be better than the Matt Nagy yes. Cleveland Bears? Yes, they, yes, they, yes, they would. They'll be a playoff team. Remember, Matt Nagy got fired for being good for going ten and six. For going ten and six, and Matt Nagy Lovey got fired for going Lovey, ten. And Lovey, six. Got smart, Lovey got fired for that, and so like John, it quotes to John's point: Would it be better? Yes, they would be better. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Lovey is a leader of men. He's a he's a leader of men. People just respect him. People want to play for him. And then at the same time, he he knew when to – he gave Ron Rivera full leverage of the defense. He knows how to be the head coach and not be super hands-on. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows how to do that stuff. He sadly let Mike Tice do whatever he wanted. And so all these other things, but at least Lovey, uh, the, mind, the mindset of a Lovey coach, and I think this is what um, AC was talking about, bringing somebody a 2.0, somebody who can come in and put people where they're supposed to be. You don't gotta. You don't gotta be the master of all, but be a good GM, a good person. Just put people in put position. You don't gotta be the superstar. Find the superstars and get a Super Bowl ring. When you win a Super Bowl, everybody gets a ring. So that you don't have to be the magic. You don't. It don't gotta be about you. And so, Lovey Smith, man. Oh man, it's too late now. I don't think that we would accept and say, say "Hey, Lovey, we're sorry. Come back." But no, nah, I've <laughs> failed in a lot of different ways. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. And I yeah. love the person. He's a great person. He's a great person. He's a great guy. If uh, he would be a great high school counselor, like that's that's somebody who will get you pumped and just get you focused on. I love the way he. But bro, when it comes to execution, the team isn't responding, and at that point, it's different. You know, if I was uh, Matt Nagy, I would be telling my agent. Uh, Go ahead and make some inquiries into that head coaching job at USC. That would be a prime time job for him. It would be a good way for him to rebound. If he could bring USC back into prominence and it being USC, you know, uh, good players are going to go there. And if he could bring them into the national championship uh, uh, conversation in two or three seasons, he could then be uh potentially a candidate to come back in the NFL. But he would have to do that now. If the Bears lose five more games, Good point. the more we lose, the more it's worse for everybody. Yeah. So then you lose credibility, you lose pull. You have Justin Fields. You have Justin Fields. Like at the end of the day, Lamar, like go back to Lamar Jackson's rookie year. You see what I'm saying? It's like, no, we, we can't blame Mr. Rookie because it's something you don't have anything in place, which goes back to the leadership. Mm. Yeah. Real quick on that, I think that Matt Nagy could potentially be a good college coach. And I like that we're already mapping out his next job after the Bears. I I, I do appreciate this. Uh, I think that he could be a pretty good recruiter because he's good at talking and he's good at and he's he likes hearing himself talk. And he I think that he would be good at going to a thousand different parents' homes and talking to their parents and talking to them about why they need to become to that college. Now, I don't know if listen, USC is a high profile job. I don't think the boosters would love the fact that Matt Nagy would be their coach. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I, I think that he would have to start at a, a, I don't want to say a smaller school, but maybe a less uh, reputable school or one that's not, that has that kind of expectations behind it. Or he could take the route of trying to become an offensive coordinator again. But I don't know if he, I don't know if any team in the NFL is going to say, I want that dude calling plays. So right. I, I think that if his next job, 
might have to be at a lower level if he wants to be a head coach. And maybe he takes a, a small, he went to Delaware. He could be the head coach of the, uh, of the, of the blue hens uh, and then make his way up the college ranks and maybe be, maybe be a good college head coach because all those crazy gadget end around bull crap actually would probably work on the college level. Because yeah. you, if you're, if you do a good job recruiting, you can do all that zany crap because the guys aren't running a four, three forty and they're not 250 pounds and not blowing up your offensive line. So maybe, maybe that is a, a possibility for him, but you know, you know what he probably shouldn't be the chicago bears head coach so i i think that i think that we I, maybe maybe we're just trying to speak it into existence maybe I, maybe i should start sending out applications for him be like hey i think matt Nagy would be a good fit for your program i think he'd be a great head coach i think that he, we're gonna go throw his name in the hat uh so uh I, I think that there are there are possibilities for matt Nagy outside of the chicago bears i don't think he's going to be an nfl head coach anytime soon and no. i think that's also very telling where uh, i think a lot of guys like you know, Andy Reid or some of these other guys that lose their job, they get picked up right away. Matt Nagy's never going to be one of those guys. He's mm-hmm. not going to be one of those guys that loses his job in Chicago. And even Lovey Smith, didn't he get he pick up, picked up by the Bucks like the year after? And he was their head coach for like a short period before they got rid of him. So uh, I, I he's not one of these guys who's going to be immediate retread. He's going to have to uh, resharpen his teeth in the coaching ranks before he would ever get back to that position again. And I had a coach real quick, fellas. I don't want my coach coming and calling plays. I want my head coach to tell us about a philosophy. On this team, we want we want we want 15 to 25 interceptions. We want to end the season with 35, 50 sacks. We like the philosophy. And when you have the philosophy, then you get the the, the, the personnel to fit that philosophy. How are you going to score 50 touchdowns? How 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 are you going to get my quarterback to 4,000 yards passing? Those are the questions that I don't. That's something that that's why we could take a step back from it from a head coach perspective. And like the coordinators coordinate how we're going to do that. The head coach mm. is a philosophy. How are we going to get a th- eight? What, what should be the threshold? 900 to 2,500 yards rushing? Theoretically, that should be like a, that's a productive running season. If you can have a thousand yard rusher, that'd be ideal. I really thought if David Montgomery didn't get hurt, he was going to be having a nice thousand yard rushing game for sure. I thought it was really primed for that. And so our quarterback, 35, 100 and above, like we celebrate. Have we had – did Mitch get 4,000 passing yards? No, <laughs> no Bears quarterbacks ever thrown for 4,000 yards. And and, and and it sucks because we got quarterbacks who don't even win a playoff game for 4,000 yards. And so we're not even in the game yet of increasing the variable on scoring touchdowns. Like we got to increase the volume. And so that's what, that's what I'm excited about. I'm, 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 I, guys, I think we're getting a new coach. I think I am pretty sure we are getting a coach. Wow! No? For the for the hottest takes turning into the ballroom <laughs> network. Guys, you really brought it today. Outstanding debates, outstanding conversation, uh, great opinions, and so I want to go around the table and find out what is going on with you. And I know Tyler's got something special coming up tomorrow, so I'll start with you. Hey, brother, I don't, man, I'm like, but first of all, Bears Nation, thank you all for joining us. And even my sister, um, Bethany, thank you for joining us, sister. You guys are always welcome. And and honestly, thank you for um, Packers Nation for, for kicking our butts because we definitely need it. But I'm here at the Barroom Network. We're just appreciative to be a service to you all. We don't take this lightly. This, this is definitely fun to be able to share our hearts with you all. And um, tomorrow, um, perspective of games following the amazing Buffon 55 show after John gets you all riled up. We have a special guest, the Mabasa Relief Initiative, that will be joining us live. 
This is a part of an organization that my father helped create and co-found about 20 years ago. They've been going to Africa for the last 25 years, providing education, health care, and um, um, economical resources to the children of Mombasa. And I spent some time there this last March. I'm going there this March. Tomorrow, they will be live on the show, and they'll be talking about some new ideas of what we're doing right now. We're building up like over four, four different classrooms. We're, um, we're sending over about 45 to 50 computers. We're teaching kids over there how to build computers, give them a skill set to be productive in life. And so come join us tomorrow live. Um, you can throw some questions in the chat. It'd be truly phenomenal. And um, I'm truly, this is something that my I'm filling my father's footsteps. I am now officially a board member filling in the roles that my father had left behind. And everything I do is to honor him. And so being able to talk football with John and Aldo is truly a blessing because I used to talk bears with my, with my dad all the time. And so I, I truly appreciate this opportunity to share with you all. I love you all very much. we got a ton of other things happening on the Ballroom Network, and I'm just very proud to be a small part of it. John? Man, Aldo, you got to quit putting me after Tyler. I can't, I can't follow this. <laughs> but much like Tyler said, I appreciate everyone in the chat room, uh, whether it's your first time 50th time or you're listening to the downloadable version the audio version the video version this is just so much fun for us to do and it's so much fun for me to do to talk about my favorite thing in the world the chicago bears uh make sure you, you tune into everything going on in the barroom network uh buffone 55 tomorrow will break down the san francisco 49ers see if the bears have some uh angles that they can take to, to, to defeat San Francisco. Also, we got, like Aldo said, we got Greg Gabriel. We got Mike North. We got Danny Shim Shimon breaking down the tape. Obviously, right after the game, you got Aldo, Tyler, and myself for Bear football, raw emotion after that. And also, all the Bulls uh, stuff we got going on at the Ballroom Network. You see, I am I got my Bulls gear on. I am I have never I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I never had an NBA team to root for. So I've kind of been NBA independent. I I, I grew I I moved over to the Philadelphia area. I started watching some Sixers games, but you know what? Bulls Nation, I think's got my heart. So I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Big, great start for the Bulls. So listen to all of the Bulls programming we got on the Barroom Network. Uh, uh, everything just great. But I guess that will have to wrap it up. Although I guess I mean, we're gonna we're gonna take it home. A great debate between Tyler and myself. Hopefully the Bears kick themselves a little bit and they get up for this game. But you know, it's the Bears, so we'll, we'll see. But that, <laughs> Aldo, you got anything to say before you take us out? Yeah, just a couple of things real quickly. I'll be back here in 45 minutes with Dan Aguirre and Johnny Santucci. We're going to talk more Bears. We're going to talk more silly stuff. But I also want to make two other programming notes that appeared on the Barroom Network YouTube channel today and will be out on audio podcast later tonight. And that is past the mic, Peggy Kaczynski, the 12-time Emmy Award winner from the Chicago sports media market. She interviewed Stacey Dales, the NFL Network reporter. And I did not know that Stacey Dales was a – uh, a tremendous college basketball player and that she was drafted, I think third overall into the WNBA. And she had a short, but very good uh, professional basketball career. And then she went over to ESPN and now at the NFL network, she shares her story about some of the challenges she had as, as an athlete and a professional uh, a sports star that is past the mic, a show that John Buffon started here on the Ballroom Network. He and uh, Alyssa Bar Barbieri were the co-hosts in year one. And now Peggy Kaczynski, we're fortunate to say, is hosting uh, season two. And then the other show is the Double A Team, hosted by Ken Fang and Stephen Nagishi. They deal with Asian-American Asian issues, 
uh, in the world of sports. And they had on three fantastic guests yesterday. So that's another show you should watch just for more information about what's happening with Asian Americans, but also some great sports talk, too. So hopefully you'll watch uh, those shows at your convenience. They're on demand here on the YouTube network, and I promise to have them up on our podcast network later today. So with that, I will say for John Buffon, Tyler Ellis, and everyone here at the Barroom Network, we'll see you next time.